everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible, invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in Christ and finds his purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence. And he holds it all together right up to this very moment. He was supreme in the beginning and he is leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he is there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of him. More than this, he gave himself completely at the cross and died. You don't walk away from a gift like that, Paul says. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, Christ. Careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. And I wonder tonight if we could sum up the message that's on Jesus' heart. If we could, uh, in one sentence, describe what it is that Jesus wants us to know about him. I think we could describe it in this sentence. It's the sentence, can we be friends? Say it with me. Can Oh, you guys are so, so nice. You don't even know me that well. And you, yes, I'll be your friend. Have you, ever, have you ever tried to find a friend? Any of you had been in a situation where you had to make new friends? Yeah, you moved from a different place. You had to make new friends. Let me tell you a story, okay? It's, it's a little bit embarrassing. Um, so you can laugh, but, but try and keep it respectful, okay? So, so when I was around 18 years old, I went to university. I grew up in London. I'm a London boy from London town, as they say. Um, but I went to Manchester to study biochemistry. Any biochemists or biosciences people? Okay, good. We, we understand. Um, anyway, the University of Manchester, I, I went there, and I remember I went for the interview, and I went to see the university, and I loved everything about it. I loved the buildings, I loved the professors, I loved the course. I was so excited to be going to the university of my dreams at the time, and studying the course of my dreams at the time. And so everything was great, and I remember about a week before I was due to leave, um, some of the youth, some of my friends, the people my age at my home church there in London, Walthamstow SDA Church, a little shout out, um, they decided to throw me a surprise going away party. Isn't that nice? All my friends. So they surprised me and they made a banner. Let me explain something to you um, in case you can't tell just by looking at me. Um, but back in the day, you know, when I was young, you know, uh, you know, I'm not trying to say I was, you know, Will Smith or anything, but I had, I had, I had a, a few a few skills, okay? Um, 
Not, not really, I, I really, really didn't. But I had lots of friends, and, and many of them were girls. Okay, many of them were females, right? Just friends, just friends, just friends. You should have seen the tears on the final day, right? People crying, girls I'd been friends with for two or three years who'd not, as far as I could tell, not shown any interest in me other than in a brotherly way, all of a sudden slipping me notes, sending me text messages. Oh, you know, I've really always liked you all this time. And you know, it was really flattering, but on the, but on the other hand, I was like, really? You couldn't have said this six months ago? You know, when I could have maybe acted on it? The day I'm leaving, oh, you'll always have my heart. Really? Anyway, so, so it, it, was, it, was, it was such a lovely time, though. Everyone cried, everyone hugged me, they gave me gifts, it was great. And then about a week later, my parents, we got in the car, we packed everything, and we drove the five, five hours, not five miles, five hours from London to Manchester. And we get there, we get to the halls, and I'm living in this tiny, tiny room the size of, of, of a large airing cupboard, and you know, th- th- you know, my, my parents helped me move everything in, and um, you know, then I'm kind of standing there, and they're standing there, and I'm standing there, and they're still standing there, and I'm wondering when are they going to leave, and you know, my mom starts crying, and I'm thinking, really? I mean, all my childhood you said get an education, go to university, and now I'm doing it, and you're crying, but anyway. They got in the car, they drove off. I was finally free, finally independent. And I realized I was all by myself. And I was really all by myself. I realized I had no friends in any direction for about five hours. I knew no one in this area. And so it was that after about 30 minutes of independence, I started to feel lonely. And I realized I needed to go out and make some friends. So here's, here's what I did. When I was moving in, there was one of those student RAs, those student rep people who kind of live in the halls, but they tell you how to, you know, how to go around things. And as we were moving in, now, now, now try to imagine this, right? I come from a, a Christian family. My dad's a minister, you know. So, so we're moving in, and, and the rep's like, now, by the way, just want you to know that all the young people, all the other students, they're all down at the pub um, getting to know each other. So as soon as you're ready, find your way to the pub, right? And my parents laugh like, <laughs> while looking at me. <laughs> so, you know, and I laugh back. <laughs> but after about 20 minutes, I was like, man, maybe I should go to the pub. Now, now, let, me, now let, me, let me help you to understand, okay? Maybe you go to the pub, that's cool, that's fine. I had never been to a pub in my life, okay? I've lived a very sheltered life. The closest that I'd come was like the cricket clubhouse after a game, okay? So, so let me just say here on a side note, when trying to make friends, don't try and pretend to be someone you're not, okay? Because it doesn't work out well, okay? So here I am, I go to, you know, the pub. Now, I'm just wearing my, 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 my dirty pair of jeans and a t-shirt. I didn't know there was a dress code, okay? I get there, I open the door. It's a little, it's a little small, little, it's not even a pub, it's a small little bar, really in this halls. And there are all the bright, shiny students. They're all wearing nice clothes. You know, the girls have made an effort, bit of rouge, bit of the old, you know, gloss. The guys are wearing the shirts, not tucked in, one hand in the pocket, other hand, you know, on the drink. Have you seen this pose? 
Now, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you trying to pretend like you don't know, right? See, because I didn't know anything about this. You know, I'm, I'm this little, this little green, wet behind the ears church boy. There's the one hand in the pocket, the other hand with the drink, and you have to have your leg like this, you know? And then you just kind of talk, you look up. So anyway, I walk into the bar, right? I walk into this pub, and you know, I, I, how can I say this in a politically correct way? It was like, have you heard the song of Baba Black Sheep? You in the Baba Black Sheep, have you anyone? I felt like that one sheep in a flock of other sheep of lighter wool. Can I say it like that? Okay, I'll just say it like that, right? So I walk in and everyone immediately notices me, okay? All the conversation kind of, you know, seeing the DJ stuff, everyone's kind of looking. I'm sweating now, I'm realizing I'm underdressed, I'm, you know. So I make my way to the bar and I order, you know, a pint of orange juice. I mean, <laughs> hardcore, you know. And um, he charged me something like £2.50. That's half my weekly budget. £2.50. Orange juice. Okay. I'm trying to make friends. I'm trying to make friends. I'm trying to meet people. So I get my orange juice. Some of you maybe have been in this situation. I get my orange juice. I look around and everyone's in little groups talking to each other, you know, talking to the girls. And <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to flirt. And the guys are like, <laughs> and, and there's no one like looking like they want to make friends with me. And so I'm looking around the room, I'm looking around the room, and you know, in the corner by the darts board, there are a group, I don't want to call them geeky. Can I say they look intelligent? They look like they like books, okay? There are a group of intelligent people who look like they like books playing darts in the corner, okay? And I kind of catch their eye, couple, like two or three guys, and they catch my eye, and they beckon me over in, in, in a hand gesture that seems suspiciously European, okay? Now, there's, now, there's nothing wrong with being from Europe. Um, I, I like European, I am from Europe, kind of. But in university, it seems like the foreign students seem to get all thrown together in the same, like, have you noticed this? in the same group, they just kind of stick together. So here's the, there are some European students, and they, they are the only ones who say, hey, come up. So I go over there. I'm kind of nervous, I'm trying to In fact, oh, this is a really embarrassing part. I decided that Jonathan was not a cool enough name for university, okay? So, so I decided that I was gonna change my name. Now, let me, let me, let me, this was back in 2000, okay? So 2000 is basically the 90s. So forgive my name choice. I decided I was going to call myself Tyrell. You know? I, I, I don't know. Just, yeah, exactly. What? Watching way too much MTV face. But anyway, Tyrell. So, so I go over there, you know, I'm, I'm giving them my new name and stuff, and we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. I'm starting to get more comfortable. I'm starting to make friends. You know, things are okay. And then... I prove that I am a pub rookie by breaking the number one rule of going to a pub or a club. And this is the number one rule. You never, under any circumstances, put down your drink. Okay? That's just what, that's what rookies do. And unless you just happen to own the bar. But otherwise, you hold it the whole time. But you know, I'm just, I'm just a guy from China. I know nothing about this environment. So I'm getting comfortable. We're playing darts. You know, you have to learn how to throw and hold the drink. That's, see, but I don't know how to do this. 
So I put, I put my drink down, I, I, I take my throw, and, and most of the darts hit the wall, if not the board. I mean, most of them make it, and I'm feeling really good, I'm making friends, we're talking about stuff, and because I'm feeling comfortable, I kind of reach back my hand to grab my orange juice. And we're talking, we're talking, I reach back my hand, and I take a sip of my orange juice, and suddenly, it doesn't really taste as sweet as I remember. It tastes a little bit bitter, it's, it's kind of bubbly, I don't remember it being bubbly. Um, and suddenly, the conversation stops. And my new friends are looking at me kind of strange. And then one of them says, Why you drink my beer? And I look down, and I realize, I'm holding his beer. And he's looking at me like, why are you drinking my drink? We're not that close. And so I start thinking, oh, no, 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 because I, I put the drink down and then I tried to start explaining. Put it this way, we, we, we aren't friends on Facebook now. It, it was a completely failed mission. But why did I go through all of that? Because I was wanting to find friends. I was searching for friends. And it's crazy the lengths that we go to to try to find friends. Maybe some of you have your own embarrassing stories that you can tell me afterwards. But here's the thing. Jesus, the God of the universe, the God who made everything, is asking us the question, can we be friends. Philip Yancey, he's a, he's a Christian author. He writes lots of books like The Jesus I Never Knew and What's Amazing About Grace. He says this. He says, the whole Bible can be boiled down to one effort after another of God seeking to restore a broken relationship with man. Okay? He's saying, if you've never read the Bible, here's, here's the cheat notes. The whole book is just about this. One effort after another of God trying to restore a connection to people. You know, uh, if you are a parent, or if, or if you, you know, think about people who, who are parents who plan their, their, their children, most people don't plan to have children just so they can have more people to shout at, stop turning on the hot water while they're in the shower. Does this happen in your house? Do you have a boiler that can only heat enough water to do one thing at a time? Does that happen to you? See, some of us have upgraded boilers. But some of us, if you turn on the hot water in your shower, you start hearing soprano notes. You don't, you don't have children just to have more people to shout at in the house, right? You don't have children just to have more people to, to drop places and drive around. The reason you have children is because you want to expand the circle of love. You want to have more people to love. And that's exactly what God was doing when he made Adam and Eve. He wanted to expand the circle of love. He was trying to expand the circle of friends. But then Adam and Eve decided it would be a good idea to break up with God. Has anyone ever broken up with you? Listen, no one's admitted. No, I do the breaking up. Okay, well, people have broken up with me. Can I, tell, can I, can I share with you my stories, my sub-stories? Does any of you play the violin? You wanna... Okay, just imagine the violin music, right? So I'm 17. And I've never had a girlfriend. Now, now, where I was from in London, maybe this didn't apply where you grew up, but where I grew up in London, like at 13, the people that had like two or three girlfriends, you know, they were veterans. So 17 and not having a girlfriend, you know, you were barely human at this point, you know. So for about two or three years, I had been pretending 
that I had girlfriends that didn't actually exist. Okay? I don't know if any of you have done this. Um, but my friends would ask, my friends at school would ask me, oh, hey, you know, and I'll just make up names. And they're, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, now she, you wouldn't know her. She doesn't live in this area. And then after six months, yeah, me and Sarah broke up. So, ooh. Uh, but, but one day, I actually met a human girl, right, in real life, who was interested in me. And see, the problem was, I, you know, I had no real experience with this. So I was just talking, I was just talking, and I was missing all the signs, apparently. So one day, she basically said to me, look, I like you. Are you going to ask me to be your girlfriend? And I mean, I was so shocked, you know, I was unhappy at the same time. And so I said, yes. And so I said to her on the phone, would you be my girlfriend? And she said, no. Come on, guys, you can laugh, it's okay. I was like, what, but you just, she said, no, that's not how you do it. You've got to ask me in person. Did you know these were rules? Guys, I'm just letting you know, there are rules that we don't know about. Like there, there are apps that they're using, they're not sharing us with us. You've got to ask me in person. So I was like, okay, um, so I'll meet you tomorrow. So I met her tomorrow at her church at this youth event. And it was so stupid, because we'd already talked about it the day before, but you know, we're talking, talking, and then, you know, so, you know, uh, we've been talking for a while, and you know, uh, I'm liking you, and blah, 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 blah. Will you be my girlfriend? She said, yes. All right. I had a girlfriend. And then it was time to get the bus home. So I went home, you know, and then I thought, I have a girlfriend, what do you do with girlfriends? You take them out on dates, right? That's what they do on TV. So the next day I rang her up and I said, listen, we've been dating now for about eight hours. You wanna go out on a date? She said, yeah, sure. So I said, I'll meet, I'll meet you down where you live. And you know, I had my first date in a public library. Yes. Now, now some of you don't know the romance that is in the library, okay? Because first of all, right, if you think about it, the library is free, and we all know that women like men who are responsible with money, who don't spend a lot on them, okay? You kind of can show that you can keep your money in your pocket. So I took it somewhere free. Second, right, the library is full of books. Shows I'm an intellectual. See where I'm going with this, you know? So I had this stuff thought out. So we sat in the library, we talked, we talked, we talked, you know? And, and then it was time to go home. I got on the bus, because I'd taken the bus to meet her. You know, I didn't drive or anything like that, no. Uh, you know, got on the bus, went home. And then the next day I called her and, you know, she, she was busy. And then the day after that I called her and she was still busy. And, you know, and then on Friday, so we've been dating, I've had a girlfriend now for six whole days. I've told everyone, this is before Facebook, but I've told everyone, I've told all my friends. On Friday she said, listen, it might be best if we were just friends. Yeah, thank, thank you, brother. Ouch, okay? Ouch. Now here's the crazy thing. The next day, the next day, the, the Sabbath, I had arranged for some of my guys to go to her church to meet her and her friends. So they're all already going to this, you know, and now on the Friday, do you know what I mean? After Sabbath, I've been told, let's just be friends. And what does that mean, let's just be friends? That means, uh, don't talk to me, don't sit near me, uh, don't, don't act like you know me, don't hug me, you know, definitely don't kiss me. Let's just be friends. And so I had to go to this church with my friends and watch from a distance this girl who had been my girlfriend for six days. And you know, 
I listen to way too much R&B and watch way too many romantic comedies. So you know, I try to turn it into, you know, if you really love someone, you gotta let them go. Have you heard those lines? Like if you really love them, you have to let them leave. Yes, I was, I was trying to be philosophical, but even though it had only been a week in my heart, it hurt. Well, flash forward a couple years later, I met somebody else. We started having a relationship. This relationship lasted not six days, not six weeks, not six months, two and a half years. And we loved each other. I mean, we were planning the future. Even though we were young, we were hoping to get married and we were thinking about where we might like, you know, live and this, that and the other. And then one day I was talking to her on the phone and she said to me, hey, why don't we take a break? Has anyone ever said this to you? Take a break. Now, here's the thing. Like, you know, I'd read her poetry like, loving you is like breathing. I can't go three seconds without you. You know there's silly poems? So how do you take a break from breathing, right? Let's go on a two-week break, you know. Let's, let's, um, let's, just, let's just focus on ourselves. Now, what did she mean? For the two weeks, don't call me, don't text me, you know, don't, don't tweet me, nothing. You know, let's, let's just take a break. And then afterwards, we'll see if we get back together. And so those two weeks were the worst two weeks of my life. I was sick every day. I was praying like I'd never prayed before. God, please bring us back together. And finally, after the two weeks, we met up and we got back together for about eight hours. And then she said, no, it's not working. Let's just be friends. And I cried like a baby. I'm talking like crying with the tears and the snot. Have you seen when the snot comes down? <laughs> it was ugly. It was ugly. I had, I had bought, you know, she, she had bought me those huge, like, you know, like this size Valentine's cards. So I'm going back to my room and the cards are like knocking me over and the, and the pictures and the... She broke up with me. She broke my heart. We were no longer together. And you know, God understands more than any of us what a broken heart feels like. Because for 6,000 years, most of us, if we're honest, most of us have been saying to God, listen, God, don't call me, don't text me, don't get my attention, don't talk to my friends, uh, don't, don't come into my house, just stay away from me. But God has a lover's heart. Can't you hear him calling out? Let's just be friends. Uh, a Christian writer, Brandon Manning, um, says this. He says that um, the story of the inn with no room, for those of you who don't know the story of Jesus' birth, when he was born, his mother and his father, they were looking for somewhere to, to, to lodge for the night. They were traveling, and she started having the contractions. And every hotel, every motel they went to had no room. There was no room in the inn. And he says that this is like metaphorical of his whole existence. There was never any room for Jesus in any heart. The only place there was room for Jesus was on a cross. Can we be friends? Isaiah 53 verse 3. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. He was despised and rejected. Do you know what it feels like to be rejected? A man of sorrows, acquainted with bitterest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way when he went by. He was despised and we did not care. 
Desire of Ages, um, the writer says, the loneliness of Christ, separated from the heavenly courts, living the life of humanity, was never understood or appreciated by the disciples as it should have been. Have you ever stopped to think about how lonely it must have been for Jesus? To leave, not just London, but to leave heaven, everyone he knew, everyone who loved him, his very father, and to come here on the earth and to live as an outcast. Why? Because he was seeking to have friends. Isaiah continues, Surely he took our affirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, and yet he calls out, Can we be friends? But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Can we be friends? He was oppressed and afflicted. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Can we be friends? And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. You know what it feels like to be rejected. Maybe that job that you applied for, and they sent you that letter. Dear so-and-so, thank you so much for your application, but... Maybe the fiancé who broke off the wedding just a few weeks or months. Maybe you've had the extreme pain of having the person you marry ask you for a divorce. Maybe, maybe your rejections have never been that deep. Maybe, maybe your rejections were simple like mine. A few years ago, um, I was studying. Um, I was a man, you know, I was, I was in my 20s. But I was studying and we, and we went to play a game of football. I don't know if you remember this from PE in school, how they used to choose teams for different sports, right? They'd have two captains, you remember this? And they would usually be the two best players at a particular game. And then those people would just pick people one by one. Tim, and the crowd would get smaller and smaller and smaller until it was just one or two people left. And then the captains would fight not to have them, but to not have them. Do you remember this? So a few years ago, I mean, I'm probably like 26 at this point. I go to play this game of football. Now, maybe the people were confused because I looked like Usain Bolt in the off-season. You know, the athletes in the off-season, they gain a bit of weight, you know, and then they, they lose it for the, for the race. Maybe, maybe they just couldn't tell, you know, my, my physical powers. But, um, so, so they were choosing. Now, I've got, I've got nothing against women in sport. My wife's a woman. My daughter's a woman. I'm, I'm cool with women. Um, but there are about 30 guys and about two girls. And, and they chose the girls before me. Now, I'm not, now I'm, not, I'm not saying that they weren't good, you know. And then at the end... They actually were fighting. No, you have him. No, you have him. No, you have him. And I was standing there. Like, Guys, I'm right here. Rejection. We've all felt rejection. 
Maybe it was that, that banquet that you wanted to go to, or, or maybe it was that party that everyone was invited to except for you. I know what it is today. But Jesus has lived a life of rejection. And you know what happens? Usually at a time like this, in, in, in a seminar like this, uh, the, the preacher or the speaker will say, you know, he will or she will be trying to convince you of reasons why you need God. You need God in your life. You need God. You need Jesus. But here's the question I want to ask you tonight. What if God needs you? Not do you need God. Does God need you? Is God's heart yearning for you? Is there an empty space? Is there an aching in his heart because he wants to connect himself to you? Can we be friends? Maybe you've heard people say, oh, for God's sake. Oh, for Jesus' sake. Oh, for Christ's sake. Stop. Have you you heard people say that? For God's sake. Can we be friends? For Christ's sake. Can we be friends? For Jesus' sake. Can we be friends? Jesus stands, the Bible says, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Listen, I'm standing at the door and knocking. Notice what he says. If anyone hears my voice, it's as if he's calling out to anyone, no one in particular, just if anyone will answer. I'm looking for friends. I'm, I'm yearning for friends. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. She with me. Can we be friends? How much do I love you? Jesus says, this much. I love you this much. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross, what he was trying to do was to bring us back to God, to bridge the gap that had been created by our sin. He was trying to create at one Now, we run that word together and we say atonement, but really the word just means at one meant, bringing us back to being one with him. Can we be friends? An artist drew this. I just want to share this with you as we close. He said, son, would you build a bridge? Here are all the tools you need. See you soon. Love dad. A hammer and three nails. Can we be friends? Our friendship with God, Romans says, was restored by the death of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us, what's that? Friends with God. Can we be friends? You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into Jesus, careful not to be distracted or diverted. It amazes me how easily I'm distracted. Jesus is knocking on the door. I believe he knocks on the door of our heart every morning. I believe that Jesus wants to serve us breakfast every morning, but yet I say, oh, Jesus, I'm tired. I'm, I'm sleepy. Um, I stayed up too, much, too long last night watching the game. I, I don't have time. I'm busy. I've got exams. I, I've got work. I've... Something, there's always some distraction, some diversion. Don't be distracted. Don't be diverted. Why? There is no other message. Just this one. Do you know what it feels like to grow up in a home 
all your siblings wish you didn't exist because sorry excuse me because you are not completely related to them you're their father's child but not their mother's child do you know what it's like to sit on the edge of the lake and look at the swans as they take off and wish that you could fly away like them and escape your pain do you know what it's like to want to play with all the other children to want to, be, to, want to join in their games but they never invite you and you can only watch from the shadows do you know what it's like to be so, so, so stressed, pressured, so frustrated, so surrounded by hatred that you have to go off into the desert, into the mountains, into the wilderness to spend days and hours by yourself, lonely with your thoughts, your only companion? Do you know what it's like to make a meal? For, 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 for many, many people, only to discover that at the end of it, they were more interested in the food than they were in you. Do you know what it's like to travel on dusty roads for 30 miles for days to get to a town, and when you reach the town, they tell you to go away because they don't want you to be around? Have you ever been there? Have you ever hiked 80 miles to comfort a bereaved family and when you get there, they blame you that the sick person died? Do you know what it's like to be in a crowd of people and yet to feel completely alone? Do you know what it's like to be followed around everywhere with people who are listening carefully to everything you say because they're trying to find a way of twisting what you have said in order to justify nailing you? Literally nailing you. Do you know what it's like to have your back whipped with cords of, of leather that have metal strips and bone in them? Do you know what it's like to have a crown of thorns pushed onto your scalp, to lose so much blood that you are dizzy and when you are asked to carry a heavy wooden beam, you simply fall to your knees? Do you know what it's like to have nails, ragged, Iron spikes driven mercilessly into your hands and feet. All because people would not accept your invitation to be their friend. This is what we're going to be talking about during this seminar. How can we be friends with Jesus? How can we get to know him better? Because Jesus is looking for friends. As this question settles into your mind, I'm going to ask my dear wife to come and just to sing you a song. And then we're going to pray and we're going to close.
God, thank you so much tonight that we could focus on the fact, Lord, that this is not really about us, it's about you. Literally heaven and earth trying to find a friendship with us, with me. And Lord, tonight we just want to say thank you for trying. We want to say, Lord, don't give up on us. We want to know how to respond and how to have a friendship with you. Lord, bless everyone who came out tonight. Bless those who couldn't make it. And we just thank you so much, Jesus, that time after time you've waited before and you're waiting again to see if we're willing to open the door. Oh, how you want to come in. And Jesus, we just ask tonight that you would make us willing, make us more willing than we currently are. In Jesus' name.